Welcome to Click, Treat, Repeat. This is a horse-focused podcast discussing positive reinforcement training, equine management and welfare, and other horse-related topics. So let's get started. Okay, so today we are going to be talking about punishment in animal training and just talking about why we don't recommend using punishment, kind of going over some of the science behind that and why we don't recommend it based on the science and also just kind of discussing some common sort of things that could happen with using punishment, like some common issues and things like that. So yeah, I don't know. I guess we should probably start by explaining like just the basics of learning theory and like what punishment is so that um, that's just very clear. Do you want to give like a brief overview of that? Yeah, we can do that. So punishment basically is just something that gets behavior to stop. Typically in horse training, that would be positive punishment. So you're usually like swinging a whip or yanking the lead rope to get the horse to stop doing whatever they're doing. But there's also negative punishment, which would be like withholding food and clicker training or things like that. That's the most common example I see just kind of holding back a potential reinforcer is typically what you see with negative punishment. People also may try that with like withholding food or water, unfortunately, or withholding turnout with friends. There's all kinds of weird punishments that I've seen. Yeah, I agree. There's just people come up with some really creative ways of <laughs> um, using punishment. Like I've seen a lot of stuff come up recently about um, using shock collars for dogs on horses and stuff like that and it's just like oh my god why like they're bad for dogs why would we bring them to another species that's just not a good idea <laughs> yeah that's really unfortunate and I think a couple years ago there was someone I think in barrel racing some western sport I'm not entirely sure but they were using an electric saddle pad so they push a button and it would shock the horse and people were outraged about that. So I'm kind of surprised to hear that people are trying shock collars on horses. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm guessing that was probably like illegal according to the rules, right? Or was it I allowed? think so. Okay. I don't think they were allowed to compete. So Yeah. Okay. That's good. At least that it was illegal. I mean, that's like the very bare minimum of not allowing, but yeah, I mean, I think with the shock collars, they want to use it a lot for horses that um, are like resource guarding or showing aggressive behaviors like in the pasture with other horses. I've seen like mostly just in Facebook groups, people saying that they will put the shock collar on and then when they see the horse like engaging in resource guarding behavior, they'll just like shock the horse, um, which like, first of all, just not ethical really. And second of all, that is just asking for the horse to then just become more aggressive and like redirect onto the other horse. So just really bad, bad idea. Yeah, people with tools that shock animals, I think they don't realize that typically the animal is going to pair it with whatever's going on in the environment and not actually the behavior they're doing. So like in the KPA Foundations course I took, they had a really good example about a dog who was using a shock collar and the person had used the shock to stop the dog from barking, but at the time the dog was looking at the child, so the dog ended up developing a reactivity towards children rather than actually stopping the reactivity. So that's a really slippery slope, and there's a lot of ways you can mess that up really easily. And it's not that punishment doesn't work, 
but there is ethical issues and there is a lot of potential to mess it up. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Obviously, punishment does work. It's a part of learning theory and it is it has been used very frequently for the vast majority of horse training and all sorts of other animal training and it has shown results there's a reason why people continue doing it and effectiveness isn't all of that reason but if it wasn't effective at all i'm sure they wouldn't keep doing it so um i mean it it works to some extent but it just i think can like you said lead to a lot of kind of problem behaviors because it's so hard to be able to time it appropriately and actually punish at the right time. And even if you do punish at the right time, like you said, it's possible that they could just associate that with something in the environment rather than like their behavior. So they wouldn't really recognize that they're being punished for something specific that they did. And that's even assuming that you actually can get it timed at the right time, which really has to be like, almost exactly when they're performing the behavior. So that's also really tough to get exactly right. And um, I mean, timing with, with positive reinforcement can also be tough, like with the click and getting the click timing right, but it's not quite as high of stakes there. If you get the wrong timing on your click, you might just accidentally reinforce the behavior you didn't want and you can you know, keep practicing on your timing and get better with your clicks. But it's really an issue with punishment because when you don't get the timing right and you punish the wrong behavior, that can really lead to some sort of problem behaviors like redirecting aggression. And it also doesn't tell them what they should be doing. It just tells them like, oh, that's bad. Don't do that. But then that can just lead to more stress if they don't know what they're actually supposed to be doing instead. Yeah, that's also true. And another thing with horses specifically because we don't live with them, there's a lot of opportunities for them to perform the behaviors we're trying to punish. So even if we do punish the resource guarding and it is successful, what happens when you hang out for an hour and then you don't come back until the next day or even longer? They have a long time to repeat those behaviors. And because the resource guarding pinning the ears and getting the other horses away, whatever they do, because that works, it gets the result they want it is reinforcing even if you do punish them occasionally. It might actually make it more rewarding to them because of that kind of like lottery gambling type uh, reinforcement and punishment schedule where sometimes it is rewarding and other times it's not. So the times where it is rewarding, it's more rewarding. So that's something too. I mean, it's not great with dogs either, even if we do live with them, but I feel like with horses in particular, it's even more challenging to use punishment because our time with them is so limited. Yeah, I agree completely. And I think too, I think with horses, a lot of the time when they are engaging in those type of behaviors that we might want to punish, it's often due to like fear or some type of anxiety. I mean, I would say that resource guarding is probably definitely linked to anxiety over food and kind of an unnatural situation that's been created by the domestic living situation where, you know, in the wild, they have lots of access to resources and um, you don't really see any resource guarding in the wild. The only time you see aggression in the wild is pretty much over like breeding and mating type of things um, between stallions and maybe sometimes between mares but even that is somewhat rare and then 
um, occasionally over water as a resource, but almost never ever over food as a resource. And so it's very like, you know, putting them into an unnatural situation that's causing that behavior out of kind of anxiety, most likely over not having available food and then punishing them for having that anxiety. And the same way that you can't reinforce um, like a fear emotion, like if your dog is crying in the crate and you, you know, comfort them, you're not, you're not reinforcing that because it's they're they're acting that way out of like fear or anxiety and I think it would it would make sense to me if it's the same way with punishment where you um you know if they're acting a certain way out of anxiety or fear you can't just punish that behavior away you have to look for the underlying cause yeah I definitely think that's true and with my own horses and the fosters if I notice that there's issues with food anxiety I just feed in more areas. So a lot of the horses do guard to some extent. It's not like severe, it's not dangerous, but because I'm aware of that, I can modify how I care for them to make sure that they don't feel that anxiety, which will eventually help them feel better about food as a whole and not feel as much of a need to protect their food from other horses. Yeah, I think that's a great way of handling it. And resource guarding definitely happens in the domestic world. I think it's just really tough to get to a point where all horses always feel that they have complete access to food and there's never going to be any issues there. Um, so it makes sense that resource guarding would kind of be an issue, but just kind of like addressing it with compassion and everything like the way that you're doing it and not punishing for it. That seems like a, a better way of approaching it. I mean, I guess like we've talked some about how punishment is really hard to do right. It's really hard to get the timing right. And it's also, I think there's just so many different sort of like techniques and tools out there that are really easy to do wrong. And when you do it wrong in a punishing way, that can just lead to a lot of problems. And I think that kind of relates to um, the situation that the person DM'd us about um, with the... I don't know. I think you should explain the situation because I think that you understand it better than I do. <laughs> yeah. So basically, they use clicker training with their horse and they had tried to share some of what they were doing with some other people in the barn. And one of them agreed to try it with a two year old, I think a colt. And the reasoning was that he's very smart and they thought it would be easy to do with him. But again, he's only two, so <laughs> it's not always the easiest. Like we talked about with Rachel, there's a lot of things that can be more challenging with younger horses, especially that emotional control and just general curiosity that I feel like can sometimes be overbearing. So they started in protected contact as this person recommended for them. And then in the second session, they were already removing the protected contact and working in full contact and had some issues with mouthiness and just investigating with treat pouch and things like that which is normal that's a pretty quick jump to working in full contact especially with a young horse and then they also said that they were using the clicker as almost like a no reward marker to indicate that they weren't going to give the horse reinforcement and I'm from my understanding it sounds like they're using positive reinforcement but leaving the clicker out and then using the clicker as like a no marker instead of a yes marker, which 
I mean, I guess you could condition that to be a Punisher, but that's not how this person was trying to get them to use clicker training. So it's a bit of a mess. Yeah, that is definitely a bit of a mess. And I would, I mean, I would say that's not even clicker training. They're just using a clicker and doing something, but it's not at all what clicker training, you know, actually is. Like when you say clicker training, that does not fit with what you would kind of think of. And so I think that, yeah, that's just really a mess. Um, <laughs> and I think too, the thing with, um, I mean, no reward markers can kind of just, I think, be a hot topic of like, can you use them? Should you use them? Is it punishment? Um, those type of things. So I don't know if that's a topic that we want to get into, but if you are going to use a no reward marker, it really needs to be neutral and I think there needs to be sort of like some type of action taken like following that to get the animal to something that they can do to get reinforcement like you can't just um I don't know do no reward marker and then just continue to I don't know have them do an unwanted behaviors and not reward like I feel like if you do use that it should just be a communication of like that wasn't quite right and then maybe you cue them to do a different behavior that they are able to do so that they can get reinforcement then and in that case you don't even need the no reward marker because you can just go ahead and not feed for that and cue in different behavior that they can get reinforcement for that they are more comfortable doing so um I think there that the real benefit of clicker training is being able to show the animal what you want them to do so if you're using it to show them what you don't want them to do you're not getting that benefit you're kind of just getting back into the same situation of using punishment where the animal now doesn't know what they are supposed to be doing yeah for sure and another thing they said with this particular person with the two-year-old colt was that they were using the clicker as like a no reward marker like I said or trying to they were using it to indicate that they weren't getting food but then if the horse continued to be in their space or just not doing what they were asking for they would actually walk away and end the session which can be really punishing for horses when they know that there is food reinforcement involved in the training so yeah that's just it's sticky it's kind of complicated and I think it was just probably a misinterpretation of what the person was trying to explain to them to do but yeah that's that's interesting. That's definitely not what clicker training is. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's, this is a really important topic to talk about. I feel like when people kind of like talk about punishment, they're focusing on positive punishment, which makes sense because positive punishment is so common in the horse world and it is so harmful in a lot of cases. But I think also negative punishment is a big thing. And especially for you know people like us who do clicker training, it's really important to be aware and be careful of our use of negative punishment. I mean, I don't think that you can clicker train without using at least a little bit of negative punishment because anytime you're not feeding and the horse like wants food, that's a kind of negative punishment in a way. But, you know, you can really kind of minimize that by having other food sources available by reinforcing for them saying no or for them offering an alternative behavior rather than the one that you're asking for. And, um, you know, just making sure to give them autonomy and, and not withhold any type of food or water or other resources. And thankfully, that's not 
hard to do since horses, even if they have other food available, often want the food that we have because of contra freeloading. So that's good. Um, <laughs> but I think, yeah, it's just really important to be aware that, yeah, we probably are using a little bit of negative punishment in our training as clicker trainers, but we need to be really careful not to let that get, you know, too far to a point where that's one of the primary training kind of strategies and it's going to have a negative impact on the learner. Yeah, for sure. I think some negative punishment is kind of inevitable. You can't totally avoid it with clicker training, but if you're starting to notice that your horse is walking away or showing frustrated behaviors or just has a really bad expression on their face, or even if they're just starting to maybe not respond as quickly if they're more reluctant, or if they start to have kind of like, I guess, extinction bursts where they're offering everything at once, things that have worked before. Like if you're not seeing those things, you're probably in the safe zone. But if you're starting to see some of that, it's probably worth ending the session and taking a little break to figure out what exactly went wrong and then kind of troubleshoot from there. Yeah, I agree. And really trying to keep a high rate of reinforcement will probably help making sure that you are finding things that are good to reinforce and not, I guess, just like lumping and having really high criteria and then just kind of standing there and waiting for a really long time trying to get the horse to perform the behavior and they you know aren't going to uh, so definitely really really slicing the criteria small and reinforcing for as much as you can really I think helps um, not have like high amounts of negative punishment that way you're you are repeatedly feeding them for the right things and you aren't really going like long periods not giving them reinforcers yeah definitely and I think uh, one of the concerns this person had with the person with the two-year-old cult was that it might cause more issues with frustration and food anxiety because they are using such a heavy amount of negative punishment and that's a really realistic concern because horses are very food driven they're grazing animals so I mean they are meant to eat pretty much constantly so depriving them of food in a training setting can be really dangerous. Yeah, I agree completely. And I think that person, if they aren't already doing it, could probably benefit from having some hay on the ground or working on grass or something like that, where if the horse is getting frustrated, they have another food source available. And, um, you know, obviously a lot of the time what we have is a little bit more reinforcing, but also trying to make sure that that the trainer isn't having like sugar cubes versus like, some kind of like low quality hay like obviously that too even though there is food available that can get to the point of being a little bit coercive as well if the value of the food you have is just so much higher than you know the other food that's available or even just in general so high that the horse feels so motivated to get the food that they will do things that makes them uncomfortable definitely trying to kind of find a balance there and using lower value reinforcers um I think hopefully that would help, but really I think this person just needs to like Google clicker training and just like read whatever the first article that comes up is because they clearly do not know <laughs> how to go about clicker training, which is understandable because it's it's very different than what we do in the traditional world and it's, it's just very new when you first start, but there are just so many resources out there that are so easy to find, at least on like the very basics, like how to, I don't know, like 
do basic clicker training like I don't know just clicking for the <laughs> desired behavior that's like the absolute basic so I'm sure there's resources out there that they could find easily so um, maybe the person who's seeing this happening and is concerned could kind of gently try to send some resources that person's way or even if it's like financially possible maybe get them a book or something like a clicker training book and give it to them as a gift and be like here I thought this might help you with you know your training and that type of stuff and I know you know that's it can be a lot to buy someone else a book so that may not be possible but if it is possible something like that could that could come across as like a nice gesture of like being helpful and not like criticizing what they're doing um but can still get them more resources and better understanding of how to actually do it yeah I agree with all of that and I think a lot of people too are more receptive to sharing personal stories so if you do have a situation or have had a situation where your horse is similar to this one then you could easily share your experience and what you did to help this person understand what they should be doing or things that they could try to make it easier for them and the horse to set them up for success. And I know too that this person is a crossover trainer, so they are coming at this completely new and with no idea of what they're doing, and that's fine, but it does take time to build up all of those skills. And also, I think clicker training sometimes is a lot more sciencey than people expect it to be. Like there is a lot that goes into it. It's not just feeding treats all the time. So I think some people might go into clicker training kind of blindly and then be just totally overwhelmed. So it's okay to take things slow if they want to just bring the horse in and literally only practice like a default neutral behavior. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I agree. There's just a lot of pressure in the horse world to go at a quick pace and that is also something that you have to unlearn a little bit in clicker training and that's probably a good bit of why this person might have gone from protected contact to full contact in such a short amount of time because there is kind of like I don't know pressure to really achieve results fast and to really just I don't know just force the horse sort of to engage with you and to to do what they're supposed to do but that's just not really how it works in clicker training so that's something that takes a while to unlearn and if this person doesn't have the resources or the support to really push through that unlearning then it makes sense that they would kind of be moving forward a little too quickly and maybe not doing things as kind of right as they probably should or could be. Yeah, for sure. And I know it's a traditional barn too, so I'm sure there's so much social pressure there to advance quickly and to have the best behaved horse and just to, in general, look good. It's not unrealistic for someone to have those emotions and feelings. Yeah, I mean, I think we've definitely had those. I know I have, and I know that we've done episodes talking about kind of anxiety and boarding barns. So yeah, <laughs> definitely um, have felt that, and I still do feel that, and I'm just doing my best to just do what I can and to not, um, I don't know, feel as pressured by other people. But I think it also just, it just really helps when you do already have that knowledge and you have like a, you know, at least some understanding of what you're doing so that you can um, feel, I guess, like you know what you're doing to just some extent, not that you have to be an expert, but um, maybe this person too, something that they could do is spend a couple of months like 
learning about clicker training before they actually start practicing it because I mean as the person who's kind of doing the the teaching or the training it's useful to know what you're looking for and what you're doing I think before you're in that context with the learner yeah I agree with that completely and it's easier said than done but it is really important to meet the horse where they're at and to not take the weight of the world on your shoulders because it's not your job to change someone's opinion of positive reinforcement-based training or even just you and your horse. It's your job to go there and enjoy your horse. That's It's that simple. Yeah, that's very true. Because I, I always feel, too, that there's so much pressure on me of, like, ah, everyone's looking at me, blah, 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 like, this is terrible. And it's also, like, who really cares? I'm there to just hang out with horses and have fun. I'm not there for people to look at me and be like, oh, wow, this person is a genius trainer and they're doing amazing. Like, <laughs> I'm just there to just do what I want to do. So even if that doesn't look good to other people, that's okay. It's fine. But if by not looking good to other people, you're doing clicker training the way this person is, that's probably a little bit more of an issue because that's going to create issues with the horse. So, you know, as long as what you're doing is like, is fun for you good for the horse fun for the horse and it's safe and not causing any problems then I think that's good yeah I agree with that completely so one last topic that we wanted to address was the idea of punishment being reinforcing for the punisher so specifically in the context of like humans using punishment as a horse training method that can be reinforcing to the human because when they are successfully achieving the results that they want to achieve, like they punish the behavior and then the behavior stops, then that's obviously a behavior that is, that is working to get something that the human wants. And as a result, it can be reinforcing for the human. And so I think that's just kind of an interesting way of looking at learning theory in general, when we're using learning theory to apply it to other creatures. Um, you know, we are also sort of engaged in a learning theory process ourselves. And when we're doing a behavior such as administering punishment, that is getting us something that we want, such as the horse not performing the undesired behavior anymore, then that's, we're also being trained to keep on punishing, basically, which I think is just kind of interesting and also explains, I think, why punishment is so popular and why people use it so much and obviously I mean other methods of training that also get the correct result could also be reinforcing like you know clicker training if I'm using clicker training and it's getting my desired goal too that's reinforcing to me because I'm getting you know something that I wanted as well so I mean I don't think it's like solely with punishment but I do think that that is an element of punishment that's really interesting yeah with people using punishment on animals, I think it's almost more reinforcing for a lot of people because usually the punishment, if it's effective, is effective immediately. So like if the horse is trying to bite you and you smack them in the face, they're going to stop. So you're likely to repeat that behavior because it worked last time. But what you're missing in that is the potential fallout that could come along with that punishment. Yeah, that's so true. And then even even I guess disregarding the fallout which is a very important and true element I mean it's just disregarding like that that that's going to harm your relationship with that animal too especially horses as a prey animal and getting kind of anxious easily 
and responding really really kind of well to pressure by well I mean like effectively like they are very sensitive to pressure um that can sort of lead to I guess just like repeatedly using that punishment but then that being an uncomfortable situation for the horse and then that's going to harm your relationship with that horse and I don't think that many of us would kind of say I don't want to have a good relationship with my horse I mean I think (laughs) most people care about their relationship with their horse so I think that's something to think about when you are using punishment is that if your horse is repeatedly being punished around you then that's going to be negative for the horse yeah and with that too I think because we're conditioned to not see it as a problem it will continue to be a really popular training method unfortunately but I know that the majority of people who do use punishment and negative reinforcement-based training do really have the best intentions with their horses. So I hope that they're able to dive into the science a little bit and even just incorporate positive reinforcement to try to better their relationship, but also have more fun with their horses. I agree. And I think a big part of why people maybe don't realize that using punishment is harming their relationship with their horse is because again we don't know how to read horse stress signals and body language I mean this comes up in like every episode but (laughs) able to read our horse's communication signals really is important for knowing if they're happy or stressed or whatever Um, and obviously we can't know for sure but being able to interpret those signals really gives us an idea that can be very valuable and help us going forward to try to build a good relationship with them and do things that they find enjoyable. So I think a lot of people just genuinely don't know how to read their horse's communication signals and they just genuinely don't realize not knowing the science and not knowing how to read the signals. They just don't know that their horse really is experiencing a lot of stress. They just think that that's just normal to how horses behave. I agree with that completely. I feel like I could write a novel about all the misinterpreted horse communication. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. I mean, technically, I did write a book about horse communication. Technically, I wrote the part that was more about management, but that is also a resource that could be helpful. There's lots of great resources out there, but um, the book that I wrote along with horse conversations on Instagram. It is called Understanding Horses and it's available on my um, my link in my Instagram bio. But that is a resource that can also be good to kind of get the basics of reading those signals and management and some kind of key summaries of, of some studies and everything um, all kind of compiled into one place. Yeah, and we always recommend it, but also language signs and calming signals. (laughs) Yes, definitely also language signs and calming signals. I would always recommend that one. And I think if you, you know, do choose to use punishment, it is important to be aware of those signals, especially so that you can be very, very clear um, on what your horse is experiencing when you are using punishment and be able to kind of make an informed decision based on knowing kind of how it's affecting your horse Um, but then also keep in mind that that certain training methods like um, punishment and negative reinforcement can sometimes encourage horses to become shut down or hide those signs of stress so also be aware that even if you aren't seeing major signs of stress they could still be happening 
Yeah, that's so true. Even if they don't appear to be having anything like that, you don't really know what's going on internally. And I think it is really common for horses to kind of just shut down and hide those emotions. And then oftentimes what happens is that eventually there's some explosion and the horse is labeled, labeled dangerous and unpredictable when really everything's just been suppressed for so long they can't hold on to it anymore. Yeah, exactly. And punishment definitely kind of encourages that to happen by not allowing them to be able to express those smaller indications that something's wrong or not being listened to when they are expressing those. Since, you know, a lot of the time punishment does occur to stop behaviors that are occurring, like as a result of kind of those types of things or pain or things like that, like biting or something. Um, horses are so often punished for biting and biting also often happens because of pain. So it's like, you're not listening to that horse's communication that something's wrong. And so they're gonna feel the need to escalate to a higher kind of level to get your attention. Yeah, the most important thing to take away really is that behavior most often is communication. So understanding horses' body language can help us adapt their training program and living situations so that we don't need to punish them. Yeah, exactly. I agree with that completely. I think that's a good thing to end on. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Click, Treat, Repeat. Feel free to check us out on Instagram at Click, Treat, Repeat Pod. You can find Jen at Genuine Equine and myself at Bonafide.bt. We upload new episodes every Monday and hope to see you then. Happy training.